Happy Easter. Welcome to the Faith at Work Easter podcast. Wherever you're celebrating this Easter, it's my prayer that you will find hope in the message of resurrection. We may not be gathered in churches filled with the smell of lilies and the sound of trumpets, but we can worship and give thanks for God's promise of new life right from where we are. We need some words of hope, so just sit back, relax, as we proclaim the best news that the world has ever heard. Christ is risen. Alleluia. He has risen indeed. Please join me in a word of prayer. Just as Jesus' disciples experienced the sadness of Jesus' death and burial, then were lifted by the joyous miracle of his resurrection, raise us out of the dark places in which we dwell to experience his resurrection too. Heal the sick and be with those who mourn. Give us the assurance that we too will find new life in you. Amen. The Easter Gospel from the 20th chapter of St. John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran out and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he had said these things to her. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I used to love riding on roller coasters. I still remember the first time I convinced my daughter Emily to ride the American Eagle at Six Flags Amusement Park with me. 
At the time, uh, it was the most famous wooden coaster in America, which featured a 55-degree, 120-foot first drop. We both had a death grip on the handbar as our car slowly clinkety-clanked toward the first summit, and then we screamed all the way to the bottom and kept on screaming for the whole circuit. As we staggered down the exit ramp, Emily looked up at me and said, Let's do it again. Which, of course, we did. Now, this time, we were fearless old pros and attempted our next challenge, letting go of the bar and holding our hands over our heads through the whole adrenaline-filled circuit. Of course, you're tightly strapped to your seat and in no danger of being thrown out if you don't hold on. But there's something, probably the will to live, that makes it really hard to keep your hands in the air while speeding down those steep drops, whizzing around corkscrew turns, and going weightless over the smaller bumps. Emily managed to go handless after two tries. It took me four. Well, what in the world does a roller coaster ride have to do with Easter? Nothing. I just thought it was an interesting story. No, seriously, there is a connection. And it has to do with a little detail in the resurrection story that I just read. Let's go back. Mary Magdalene is standing by Jesus' empty tomb, crying in despair. To add to the sorrow of Jesus' death, someone had stolen his body. So now she cannot even properly mourn. Respectfully caring for the body was very important to the Jewish faith. As she is standing there, she encounters a gardener, or at least who she thinks through her tears is a gardener, and he asks her, Woman, why are you weeping? She explains that her friend's body has been stolen. Mary, he says. And in that instant, she breaks through the tears of pain and shock and gives a cry of recognition, Rabuni, which means teacher. Now here's the interesting part. He says, don't hold on to me. Now that could be translated as, don't touch me, or don't cling to me, let go of me. Seems like an insensitive thing to say to a friend who is overwhelmed to see you after she thought you were dead. In this time of social distancing and quarantining, we are all acutely aware of the desire to hug someone, to grab on to the people we love, and never let them go. Our instinct is to hold on tighter than that death grip I had on that roller coaster. When Jesus gives her an explanation for his seeming standoffishness, he's about to ascend to the Father in heaven, and her job is to go and witness to the others that he had been raised from the dead. The central message of Easter, of course, is resurrection to new life. An essential subtext is that in order to inherit this new life, we must let go of the old. One of Jesus' teachings was, those, was that those who cling to life will lose it, and those who can let go of this life will find eternal life. A central teaching of Buddhism is that clinging to anything is a source of suffering. It can be hard for us to accept, but resurrection to the new presupposes death to the old. Mary's holding on to Jesus was instinctive. She'd just gotten her friend back. He who was lost now is found. She didn't want that to happen again. But he tells her, 
that she has to let go in order for the true, full gift of resurrection to be realized. He can't lead the way to the heavenly kingdom without letting go of the earthly one. The reason that we tend to cling is that we are afraid of what awaits if we let go. I feared that I was going to be ejected from that roller coaster. People stay in jobs that they hate because they can't imagine a different future. People stay in destructive relationships because they're afraid that they'll be alone. The devil you know is better than the devil you don't. We're afraid to die because we're afraid of what, if anything, awaits us after death. I'll cling to this life, thank you very much. The Easter story tells us, you can let go now. There's always something waiting on the other side. This is a message that we desperately need to hear right now, as we feel threatened that a deadly and unpredictable disease might take away the things of everyday life that we prize so dearly. Our material possessions, our freedom of movement, our livelihoods, our retirement accounts, our sports, or even just going out for a fish fry on Saturday night. We're afraid it might take our lives. We're trying to find ways to hold on to all of those things while we're forced to, and I hate these new phrases that we're, we have to live by, but we're forced to shelter in place. We want to hold on our lives just the way they are, imperfect as they are. There is no doubt that we are confronted with great challenges as a result of quarantines and social distancing, and that all of us will incur losses of some kind as a result. Some will lose their lives. These are losses that we will need to grieve. Our lives will be changed. But just as Jesus' death was not the end for him, the losses that we will sustain are not the end for us. If we can hear the Easter proclamation, if we can follow Jesus' command to let go, there is a new, and in many cases, even better life to come. Let go of the bar. Let go of fear. You can let go now. Let's take a moment to hopefully imagine what the new life that awaits us might look like. The new life that awaits us can be a life in which we spend more time together as families and learn to treasure each other in ways that we may have been neglecting. My wife and I were out walking the other day and we noticed the number of family groups who were just out walking together. When we walked on the city trails, it became difficult to social distance. There's another one of those new phrases. Because there were so many people out. At least to the casual observer, these family groups seemed to be enjoying themselves. They were relaxed and not in a hurry to get anywhere. We strolled past people relaxing out on their porches. We engaged in good-natured walk-by conversations just to shoot the breeze and comment on the weather. Last weekend, my wife and I did something we haven't done for a long time. We went out for a Sunday drive. No destination. We just drove. Hey, gas is cheap in the new reality. Families are also preparing meals at home and sitting down to eat together. I think the run on grocery stores was not just caused by panic. It's a sign of how much we're used to eating out, 
both in fat, fast food restaurants and sit-down places. We now have to buy a lot more groceries to compensate for the food we used to purchase in restaurants. I've even heard of families making their shopping lists and preparing food together. Who'd have thunk it? While I look forward to a Friday night, Friday night fish fry in one of our local pubs, I hope that sitting around the dinner table remains a habit in our new life. We also are spending more time in our virtual relationships. We're finding the positive value of our smartphones for texting, keeping in touch through Facebook, and even just old-fashioned phone calls. But it's a little different now. I've been reaching out to family and friends that I've been neglecting, and I've been contacted by more people as well. The virtual meeting platform Zoom has experienced exponential growth. We held a Zoom prayer meeting at our company this week. I'm starting a Zoom Bible study. We Zoom our daughter and our friends most lightly, almost nightly, and many people are even Zooming cocktails with their friends. We're Zooming here and Zooming there. Now, I know the dangers of overuse of electronic media, but maybe through this experience, we'll learn the positive ways to stay in touch electronically. Our new life has the potential to not only be more social, but also more simple. Since our options for how we use our time are limited, I have noticed that life has become simpler. Board games and jigsaw puzzles have been flying off the shelves. For families with children, the frenetic scheduling of activities has been drastically reduced. The good side of not having to go anywhere this evening is that, well, we don't have to go anywhere this evening. My blood pressure just lowered thinking about it. Admittedly, this is better for an introvert like me than an extrovert like my wife, but we're both enjoying just being at home. One of the things that made me most fearful when I realized the seriousness of this outbreak was that I felt a loss of control. This mysterious disease and the government had taken control of my life. The flip side of the loss of control is a recognition of our dependence and our interdependence. I'm dependent upon the goodwill and the help of other people, and they're dependent upon me. And all of us are dependent upon God. We didn't have control taken away from us. We never were in control to begin with. Our total independence was an illusion. We can't go it alone, and we never could. I've come to the freeing realization that I can depend upon others, and even, believe it or not, I can depend upon our elected government. But mostly, I depend on God. And you can depend on me. Some things I can control, most things I cannot. And I begin to take the serenity prayer to heart. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You could argue that the last great tragedy in modern history approaching the magnitude of what we're facing today was World War II. The rise of Nazi Germany presented an existential threat to the whole world. We can't imagine what life would be like today had they prevailed. Americans banded together and sacrificed their labor and their lives to assure that that did not happen. 
Following the war, however, ensued one of the greatest economic booms, booms the world has ever known. New industrial technologies and medical technologies that had been born out of war were put to use to improve the quality of human life during peace. Americans built new houses and drove around in shining new cars. The recovery that will follow the pandemic will look different. Economists are split on whether it will be a boom or a period of gradual growth, but there will be a recovery. There will be new medical advances, surely. The advances in social media and new and better ways of doing business will emerge. Working from home, while having limitations and disadvantages, is not going to go away. E-commerce and buying online, a trend that was already well underway, will continue to grow, for better or for worse. But the human potential to work and to grow and the entrepreneurial spirit will not allow this country or this world to stagnate. Our challenge and our opportunity is to shape that recovery in positive ways. Did you ever notice how many American churches looked like they were built in the 1950s with all their faux Gothic architecture and blonde woodwork? That's because they were built in the 1950s. There was not only a post-war baby boom in America, there was a post-war church boom. Thousands of churches were built during that decade. I predict a similar turn to religion and spirituality in the years ahead. There's nothing like a life-threatening event to put the fear of God in us. Like they used to say, there are no atheists in the foxholes. The cynics will say with some justification that desperation is a shallow and insecure basis for faith. But the reality is that confronted with our own mortality, our eyes are open to the deepest questions of existence. The deepest of which is what will become of me when I die. The answer will not be to build more churches, but to seriously look into the empty tomb like Mary did and discover the meaning of life in its deepest sense. Our challenge will be to let go of the past life, to open the path to a new future. Our job is to fix our eyes on the kingdom of God. There is a reason that Easter is celebrate in the springtime. Those of us who live in Wisconsin know it well. During the winter, everything dies back. The winter landscape is painted from a limited palette of grays, browns, and white. But in the springtime, when the sun begins to warm the earth, there is a stirring of life in the soil. And as the white pall of snow is pulled back, flowers push their fragile heads toward the waxing light. Red buds explode on bare branches, and birds burst into song. Soon, very soon, God will paint the land from its full palette of nature, its reds and yellows and blues and greens and purples, and all the earth will join the hymn of new creation and eternal life. What I most hope for this Easter is that we will all emerge with a new and deeper appreciation of the promise of new life that always awaits. I pray that we will be able to put away our fears and anxieties 
being convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including a pandemic, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. For truly, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So just relax. You can let go now. Amen. As we close, let's listen to the beautiful Easter hymn, Thine is the Glory. Feel free to sing along if you like. 